0: Hello everyone, you're listening to Soundwaves, the official podcast of the Ellen MacArthur Cancer Trust, and we are so glad you could join us. Mental health is on everyone's minds at the moment, and we've even spoken about it a couple of times on this podcast. We've talked about ways to look after yourself, with young people, skippers, volunteers, and mental health first aiders sharing what helps them personally too. But we had this realisation that among these conversations, some voices were missing. The Trust supports people aged from 8 right up to 24, and those on the younger end of the spectrum experience mental health as much as those on the upper end. They may express it differently, they might not have the words to communicate how they're feeling, but it doesn't mean their mental health is any less of a presence in their lives. So for this episode, we're going to look at mental health in those aged around 13 and younger we're aware it's more likely that it'll be a parent or guardian or older sibling of a, say, 10-year-old who's listening to this rather than a 10-year-old themselves. So what we're going to talk about is noticing ways in which this younger demographic display their mental health and what helps with it. Because you may be in the position where you're able to make little changes or you have a young family member who is having a bit of a hard time. Joining us this week is Gavin Sterry, who is a mental health first aider and good friend of the trust. His insights really opened my eyes to just how much mental health in young people can be bypassed because of the different ways it affects them. A global pandemic is hard enough, but add on top of that a cancer diagnosis and that young person is certainly going to be impacted by what's going on in their lives. Hopefully this conversation shines a little bit of light on ways we can show them that we are here for them and that there is very much support available. Hello, Gavin. Thank you so much for joining us. It'd be really useful if at first you could just talk a little bit about what being a mental health first aider involves and what your relationship is with the trust.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so being a mental health first aider um, is, is something which is really, really important in our community. Um, What it's all to do with, fundamentally, is raising awareness about mental health and reducing stigma, that kind of negative association with mental health. Ultimately, we've all got mental health, and it's just one of those things which traditionally maybe hasn't been talked about as much in the past as as physical health. Um, So, you know, whereas people tend to be quite comfortable saying, you know, oh, I've got a bit of a twinge to my ankle today, um, the kind of mental health equivalent of not feeling quite on top of things people might not be so comfortable talking about. So that's what being being a mental health first aider is all about. My association with the trust, delighted to be associated with the trust. I've been working together uh, with them for about two years, the last couple of years. Um, Word of mouth introduced me to Frank Fletcher, Um, heard about the the trust. I'd already sort of heard about them loosely, um, but got to know a lot more talking to Frank, Uh, found that I was entirely on board with the vision and the ethos, Uh, then got chatting to James and Laura, uh, and just kind of grew from there, really.
0: We've spoken about mental health on the podcast before, and I'm sure we will again, because it's a huge part of that recovery process, and it's something the whole world is aware of right now. This is the first time we've specifically said we're going to talk about it when it comes to the younger ages of those who come on trust trips. Sure. We support those aged 8 to 24-ish, so in my mind I'm thinking right now about those 13 and younger, say. In yeah. your experience are young people in that age range are they as impacted by mental health as everyone else?
1: Yeah I mean I think it's a really good point that you make um, absolutely I think quite often within our society maybe that that age group um, it's not so prevalent and not so talked about but that doesn't mean that the issues aren't just as present and just as important and significant Um, I think that um, young people under the ages of 13 might have slightly different ways of expressing themselves and how those mental health issues are are affecting them. Um, They might also have different coping strategies from older young people and adults. Um, You know, you look at the stats and the stats are quite staggering, I find, Scott. Um, They reckon it's about 10 percent of primary school children suffer from a low sense of well-being. Um, So, you know, clearly with one in ten in primary schools, that's a significant number and far higher than any of us would want. Um, What's really important and what I've discovered as a mental health first aider is that early support is key. uh, And if you can recognise what helps and what supports and what can prevent issues from escalating or being there in the first place, that can only help in in later life and through adolescence.
0: You mentioned the differences in ways that the young people express their mental health can you talk a little bit about that from when they are at that young age and then sure. they become teenagers and young adults what are the differences
1: yeah I think you know understanding emotions can be really tricky at any age and um, I think for me it comes down to what in inverted commas you know what is normal close inverted commas is different for everybody so what you'd be looking for in a young person uh, of any age is, is sort of changes from what you typically expect from that person. So if you've got quite an outgoing person, for example, maybe they become a little bit quieter, a bit more withdrawn. If you've got someone who's a little bit quieter and they become more extroverted, you know, that, those would be fairly basic examples, but anything which is different from what you would typically expect from that young person. Um, with particularly uh, young children and, and those young people below the 13 and younger, I guess one of the barriers to communicating how they're feeling is a lack of sort of understanding about their emotions uh, and also that communication itself can be a barrier. So you might find that they're expressing themselves slightly differently from uh, older young people or adults. So they might not be able to express themselves using words and language in the same way. So expressing themselves through play or pictures and images, expressions, um, and, and avoiding some of those more complicated words might be more appropriate for them. Um, but ultimately sort of looking at spotting issues with with mental health in those younger children um, and and how those issues might manifest themselves uh, it does come down in my my experience to what's what's different from what you'd normally expect from that young person and quite often the best people to spot those, those, those concerns would be friends and family.
0: Do you think it surprises people to discover that young people at this age are experiencing mental health in many of the same ways we are?
1: again that's a really interesting question um i guess you know we as adults sometimes can get consumed with what you know what's on our minds and how we're dealing with things and how we're coping with things sometimes that can transfer to to young people um and you know sometimes young people can pick up on what's been modeled by the adults around them i think it, it sometimes can surprise people that uh there can be a lot on young people's minds and i think some young people are are really really good at masking it and not wanting to wanting to trouble anybody or or cause alarm or concern for everybody any anybody else and maybe they'll they'll keep things to themselves or they'll express things in a way which you wouldn't necessarily uh, sort of recognize as being a mental health issue maybe for example through um through behavioral issues um or through um
0: becoming more withdrawn you know as i mentioned before Given that this is the Ellen MacArthur Cancer Stress Podcast, it's likely that someone listening to this is aware of a young person who's experienced cancer and who's either being told to stay at home right now or is actually shielding in some way or the other person listening to this. We talk about the concept of emptying your stress bucket, that there are things we can do to pour away that stress. And teenagers and young adults, they might be more aware of those things are themselves. Is there a sort of a generalized advice for that younger age bracket, which Parents and guardians and older siblings can keep in mind to help that young person empty their bucket? Sure,
1: sure. I think, Scott, you know, you've kind of hit the nail on the head at the minute. I think, I think for, for all of society, it is an unusual time. There are going to be additional pressures and stresses on everybody. Um, and I think it's just really important that, um, particularly for young people who've got involvement uh, with the trust for, for various reasons, that they try and support each other as much as possible. I think, you know, we are social beings. Uh, one of the things through um, the measures that have been put in place to try and prevent the spread of of, of COVID, um, we are slightly more isolated than we would normally be. So I think keeping those connections up with friends and family is all important. Thankfully, there are so many different ways to connect with people nowadays. You know, you've got FaceTime, you've got Skype, you've got uh, Zoom calls, um, you've got conventional phone calls, writing letters, things which are traditional and maybe have been lost over the last few years. Um, can be really, really important and and have a really positive impact on on both young people and um, their older relatives. Um, So I think it's just being aware of what releases uh, tension from that stress bucket and just making sure that you're giving yourself time um, during the day and, you know, as often as as you need to. Uh, And it's okay to not feel okay, And just to try and recognise that and, and say to people, well, you know, look, I'm not feeling quite as I wanted to or, or feel i should at the moment i just need a little bit of time out and, and then supporting that in whatever way and for some people that will be those social connections for other people it will be will be different things it will be time on the computer it will be time uh, on, the, on the television reading walking you know getting out there running playing you know sort of solo sports at the moment and, and post pandemic those more sort of team orientated sports but it's, it's whatever works for that particular young person There isn't a hard and fast of of what works for one and and doesn't work for others. And the other thing I guess I would encourage um, young people to have a go at at the moment is try try new things. You know, if while you are not able to get out and about as much as possible um, as you would normally, maybe you know, try baking, try reading, try different things, which you know other people do. And if you've never found that it's worked for you in the past, try it, it might work for you this time. Um, You know, don't be afraid to try new things. But I guess the key really is, you know, if if there are people who will listen to you, who you can talk to, who you trust, then reach out to those people and, and make sure that, that you know, you, you're talking to them if there are things on your mind which, which are troubling you or bothering you. And what's great is there's, there's you know, various mechanisms now for that. There's organisations like Cooth, Childline, Young Minds that, that young people can reach out
0: to as well as friends and family. Do you think that it's OK not to be OK message is still getting through there during the pandemic? Because in some ways, I see a lot of people saying, you know, you can do all these things to help you try and feel better. But after 10 months of this, it is quite difficult still. And also, you know, maybe it'd be a bit more odd to think that you feel fine in a pandemic because it is quite an anxiety-inducing thing. Uh, is, Is it about letting people know that if you have an off day or an off week, that's okay?
1: Yeah, completely. I don't think we can over-communicate that message that it's okay not to be okay, you know, particularly at the moment, because despite saying all of us are going through this, which obviously we are, for everybody, the impact is going to be different, and it's going to be different on different days, different at different times um, during the week, the month, the year. So, you know, whatever young people are experiencing, uh, you know, is absolutely fine, and however they release that stress bucket and whatever they do to... um, get them through those times or even help to support them and and make them feel better, you know, is is, is absolutely fine as long as it's not hurting other people. Um, I think, as I said, those sort of external links in terms of, you know, even through these times, the GP, the general practitioner is still there for people. Samaritans are there for people. Childline are there for people. I know it's much publicised that these services are very busy, particularly at the moment, but if you feel you might need, might need to reach out to them, reach out to them that's what they're there for and sort of checking in with people be it friends and family be it other professional services it is far far better to check in with people express yourself be heard than to keep things bottled up and inside and again coming back to what i was saying before you know some people like to talk some people are more comfortable to sort of send messages and things Young Minds, for example, have got a text service. Cooth have got a, a remote text service as
0: well. So there are different ways to access these different services. And in normal times, when there aren't restrictions, what sort of things do you see being of benefit to young people of this age? We talk about the connection made on trust trips. Sure, is that kind of bonding a universal benefit? And are there other things?
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, we, we, as I said, we are social creatures. So those those connections are are all important. Uh, And I think people are maybe young people are more aware of that now, now that they're not able to go to school in the same way that they were. I think a lot of young people are probably valuing school uh, more than ever, not only for the educational benefits, but the social interaction. Um, So, you know, at the moment, it is about keeping up um, those those links uh, as much as possible. I guess coming back to what you were saying before as well, Scott, in terms of tips and support, young people can support each other. Um, if you're concerned about, about a friend or, or somebody else, I know that you, know, you might think to ask, oh, how are you feeling or how are you doing? Those questions aren't always the, the easiest way to get someone to open up and to talk. Um, sometimes young people might find it more um, useful just to provide a friend with a statement. So instead of how are you feeling, something like, oh, I've noticed that your smile is even bigger than usual. And that then just introduces the opportunity for discussion. It gives permission for that discussion. And the benefit of, of talking to other people about how they're feeling is they might then ask you how you're feeling. And it, it just opens up that conversation. And wh- One of the things that I've really learned working with the trust over the last couple of years is the more, co- the more conversations we can encourage and the more young people are aware that it's okay to talk about things and talk about feelings, the... Um, the more permission that we have for those sorts of conversations, the better we can all support each other and the better support we'll get for ourselves in most cases.
0: I was going to talk to you about uh, signposting for parents and guardians to uh, for support for the mental health of a, a younger child, but you've mentioned yeah. uh, young minds, you mentioned Cuth, you mentioned Samaritans. Are there more you want to signpost to or are those the main ones?
1: Yeah, I think th- those are some of the main ones. A quick Google search on a phone or a laptop will will, will bring up lots of different ones. I think there's, the reason I mentioned those is because they've got specific services for young people, you know, age 13 and younger. As I mentioned before, you know, I know it's talked about a lot. And I guess one of the issues at the moment is we are, you know, it's it's in the news all the time. It's been talked about all the time that GPs are are overrun and, and the NHS is so busy. Just because they're busy with the pandemic doesn't mean they haven't got time for, you know, young people and their concerns, their mental health issues. If you've got those concerns, that's still what the NHS and what the GPs are there for. So I think, you know, the first port of call quite often can be the GP. Um, and, um, you know, that, that is still there at the moment and will still be there after the pandemic has has sort of changed focus. Um, Samaritans, as I mentioned, Childline, and I know a lot of people know that number, 0800 1111. Uh, Young Minds has got a text service. You just have to text uh, YM to 85258. And so there are all those different services as well as others. And I think if young people have been told about other services, either by friends or through school, and they're more comfortable using those, then use those. As long as the service is is, is a proper pucker service, then, yeah, they, they are all good quality. But there are so many of them
0: out there. And maybe even the reverse of that. Is there some support or a piece of advice you can give those worried about a younger child, whether that's because of their cancer experience or because of the pandemic?
1: Yeah, I think, again, one of the things I've learned over the last couple of years working with the trust is um, if if people have got concerns relating to cancer or or concerns at the moment relating to the pandemic or or a combination of the two, you know, if you can just be there to listen, Um, listening is probably the most valuable thing that I've taken away from all of my mental health training, just listening in a non-judgmental way. So not anticipating what someone's going to say not reacting and expecting them to say something or judging what they've said just taking whatever's been said at face value if someone is saying that they they're not feeling great or if someone's saying they're feeling fantastic i think for me the reasons why they're feeling that way are not so important it's just about listening and accepting that that's how they feel at that moment in time but it doesn't mean that they're going to feel that way moving forward. So if someone's feeling really, really good at the moment, that's brilliant, but it doesn't mean that they're going to be like that for the rest of the day and the rest of the week. That's you know what you'd expect with people. Equally, if someone's feeling a little bit down, not quite right, doesn't mean that they're going to be feeling that way all that day, all that week um, and, and so on. So it's just about supporting each other, listening to each other, and just taking what's been said at face value. And not sort of attributing a
0: value, uh, a, a judgment to it. And when you say listening, you don't just mean talking, but you mean if someone's written a letter, that counts as listening. If someone's drawn a picture, that would count as listening as uh, well. Abso-
1: absolutely. And as I was saying before, you know, different people will express themselves in different ways. So if some people are more comfortable writing things, some people are more comfortable communicating in text, you know, it's whatever works for people. And, and you know, I guess. One of the things I'd I'd like to communicate really through this podcast is just to give permission to everyone involved with the trust and and, and with knowledge of the trust, just to, you know, it's okay to talk about how you're feeling.
0: And so you are also taking part in one of the Trust's Conversation About sessions, along with Susie Shaw, who has also been on the podcast before. It's about mental health and it's for those aged 14 and up. What can people expect from that one?
1: Yeah, I'm absolutely delighted to be working with the wonderful Susie Shaw again. Um, It's a conversation all about well-being. Um, So within that, we're going to be looking at issues which we know are relevant to to, to young people of those age groups at the moment. Things like isolation, anxiety, depression, all the sorts of things that young people associated with the trust have been telling um, the the volunteers and the staff at the trust and has has been passed along. And and we've spoken um, about. Um, So that's what we've planned for. Um, The the session's on the 12th of February, it's at six o'clock. It's going to be highly interactive, lots of opportunities for questions and answers. As you say, Scott, it doesn't necessarily mean people have to be talking, they can put them in the chat function as well, that's absolutely fine. There'll be little breakout rooms as well so young people can talk to each other. They've got the opportunity to listen to each other, see that they're not alone in feeling how they're feeling, sharing different experiences. Uh, and then Susie and I uh, uh, have been working on a toolkit and some suggestions which the young people can take away and try out uh, and talk through during that session and try out beyond that session. So hopefully it will be providing support beyond just that that session um, and, and the conversation about, but into the weeks
0: uh, beyond it. That's it for this week. Thank you so much to Gavin for joining us and you too for listening in. As Gavin said at the end there, he is taking part in a Conversations About session around mental health with Susie Shaw, who came on the podcast to talk about mental health way back when Soundwaves began. As a compliment to this episode, that session is open to those who are 14 years of age and older. Gavin also mentioned a number of support services during this conversation, which I will link to in the podcast description and on our social media. Before we go, I just want to say a big thank you to players of People's Postcode Lottery, whose support has been more crucial than ever this last year in allowing us to adapt our plans and support young people from afar. We couldn't do it without them. Again, thank you for listening in. Until next time, take care.